Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Pledge, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 67 of Every Damn Day. And we've got our great friend Will Pruitt here with us today. And we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a musician and probably delve into a few other things, too. How are you doing today, Will? I'm good, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, you're driving. I think you're driving to something interesting. And uh, tell us about that real quick, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. I'm... Uh... Well, right now I'm hotboxing my car. Yeah, um, I'm not going to be driving though. Yeah, don't. Um, don't but no, we're going. Drive. No, definitely not. Just parked and smoking. Yeah. Um, but no, we're gonna go uh, rehearse and practice some sear wheel with my lady at the uh, LA Fitness, and she's got a lesson right right now, or yeah. probably like another half hour or so. And when you've said that, I had seen it before, but I didn't know it was called that. Will you explain mm -hmm. to everyone what that is real quick? Yeah, so uh, it's called a sear wheel. Uh, it's C-Y-R, that's how you spell it. But you pronounce it like you're like searing meat or something. Um, but it's basically a really big uh, fucking hoop, uh, and you spin inside of it. It is usually like 50 to 80 pounds, depending on how tall you are. But it's super hard, but it's really rewarding. Yeah. I heavily recommend it. Um, my lady teaches, so if you're ever interested, definitely hit me up. Uh, and she does have a studio in Detroit that um, she does all the training and stuff out. So, but yeah, super, super cool. It looks gonna a be lot a, of fun. Yeah, in May, there's uh, something called Sears and Beers. It's going to be really, really cool. It's like a big convention of, of everybody in the world that does Sear Wheel. Um, I'll probably be gone for like half a month doing that stuff. Oh, sweet. So uh, let, let's get off that for a little bit. And uh, tell us about you. Like, what, where were you kind of grew up and what got you into music? Uh, well, I, I was born in Holt, Michigan, down uh, Eifert Road by that. What was, was it? Is, is it still the Spartans party shop or something? I, is, I it, is it a Big Ten now? Hey, you know what? I think it's Big Ten. That sounds yeah. right. But yeah, I lived kind of over by there for probably the better part of I don't know, 13, 14 years. Uh, and then I moved to Lansing uh, during like high school time. And then I've been in Lansing ever since. Uh, or bouncing around where I can, wherever I can. Did move around a, a bit. I think I bounced around from Mason to Grand Rapids, but just kind of all over Michigan. In Detroit How'd you like right Grand now. Rapids? Um, I actually I didn't mind it. Um, I think what was um a little discouraging was I I don't know maybe I was I overanalyze things from time to time, but I've got a bunch of tattoos, and I also work. Um, I did like the Wi-Fi Amazon expert stuff at one of the uh, stores at in Grand Rapids, and it just seemed like a lot of the customer base they dealt with were super judgy. Like, perfect example. Um, I had already been with uh, the company for probably the better part of like five or six years. And this one particular other employee didn't know the answer to this question that this other person's customer 
that did like one of the came into the store did like a second look at me looked up and down and then immediately like nope like i don't want you to help me type thing and i was like oh okay that was a weird tell but whatever I'm not gonna let that shit bother me and then the dude that he asked didn't know it so that employee turned right around and asked me same question instead of me looking at the dude to answer the question i look at the customer that was like and I answered the question and I just stared at him in the face. And I was like, was that so hard? Why did you have to be a shit person? You know, there was no reason for it. I didn't know you. You didn't know me. You needed help. I could help you like that. But no, you had to make a thing about it, you know. But right. like that type of energy was like, I don't know. I, I kept getting that a lot. And maybe if it was, I don't know if it was just in one particular spot that in Grand Rapids, because I think... You know, Big Grand Rapids is a pretty big place. Maybe I was just going to the wrong ones. But no, we, uh, there were uh, there was uh, was it called Billy's Lounge, I think. They do some pretty good burlesque shows there, I think. Um, but I only lived in Grand Rapids for maybe like I want to say like eight or nine months. Yeah, but, I lived there for ten years, and I I saw what you're talking about all the time. Okay, cool. So I'm not yeah. like crazy. Uh-uh. They, Really white, conservative, Dutch, yeah, religious, um, judgy, yeah. Yeah, the, the the religion thing, I don't even mind. It's more of the judginess. It's just like, yeah. why? There's no reason for it. It takes more energy to do that. Like, why are you messing up your own day to try to mess up mine? And then I'm like, I don't even know you, so why should I care? And then, uh, and then that moment's gone, and I'm just about my day. Now that person's stewing in the the poo poo doo doo <laughs> that they just made. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nonsense. But so, to go back to your first question, the reason why I got into music was, yeah. you know, stuff like that. You, you know, I mean, at an er- early age, I I kind of dealt with um, some forms of abuse that I don't necessarily think a kid should have to be exposed to. Um, and I think up until maybe I was 13, 14, a lot of the stuff that had been brewing and like in my little kid brain subconscious was trying to bury, you know, just trying to focus on just being a kid, you know, um, I think started kind of coming forward and till um, from the ages of like 13, maybe to 18, the, all of the mental, emotional type uh, abuse that was going on and some of the underlying other things kind of came to a boil. That's how I'd probably, you know, explain it because the abuse started becoming like violent and actually physical. Um, and so from, you know, for probably a couple of years, I was like super confused because I was like, am I a bad kid? I must be a bad kid if I'm just if this, if all of these things are happening, that'd be the only logical thing, right? And then maybe like a few years go on, and then I, I like I hang out with more of my like close friends' families, or like hang out with like you know a slumber party or whatever you do. You know, when you're 14, you end up just playing video games all night and eating Cheetos, but whatever. But I noticed that that their parents treated them, or more specifically, the relationship with the father in all of the other uh, friends' houses, I was like, what the hell? 
that's super weird. My dad would normally do this or that or the other, you know, I would start like going in my head, like what the hell, what the hell. And then like, all of a sudden I'm trying to figure out like, and all the, all the while while I'm still trying to figure out why it's happening, it's still happening. And not at a level where it was every day, but it was at a level where it would be a really long time. Like once it happened, it was like almost like an all day event. Like at some points you almost felt like you're in like a hostage situation and like it just, it, it got really super crazy. And like on top of everything else with, with the, like the physical aspect of it, I was also being asked to what's the word, advise or, or weigh in on matters that a kid wouldn't ever understand. Mm-hmm. Like he would put topics on me that I like didn't know what it meant at the time or like big kid problems, like financial problems or marital problems. You're just like adult level conversations. You're like, now you, now I'm going to talk to you like uh, you're like, you're an adult and now you have to come up with an adult answer. And now because you can't come up with an adult answer, I am now going to take it out on you for some crazy reason. So like whatever his moral compass was, was super fucked up Um, because like he'd do other things and you're like, wow, like that was super polite or like, oh, wow, that was super cool. And then you turn around and do this. Like it was, it was, it was a mind fuck. And I think that's what stuck with me for the longest. And it's like, it still does from time to time, but I've, probably from the ages maybe like 16 or 17 um I, I finally you know came in contact with wood and strings and metal and and uh i would lock myself in my room for like eight hours a day playing that thing and almost immediately from like me just dinking around with like chord books like i could play like the structured stuff you know just the full open chords but nothing much beyond that, just super basic stuff. And so it was between, you know, the, the foundational stuff and then just me just dinking around, just seeing what sounds good on what does what kind of thing. Almost immediately, like words would come into my head type thing where it was like, a, like you know, little tidbits of a phrase or, or whatever. Maybe it was like my subconscious feeding me like, hey, you have a lot of shit on your plate. You should probably get that out and i think that's what my like it was almost like my body was like bro you're not good you need to do something about it like and it was it sucked at the time because like one my sister was way too young to even do anything about it because at that point she was the she was at the age of what i was dealing with when i lived in whole So, like, she was already going through some stuff, and she was very malleable to her. Uh, We're good. now? We're good? We're good. Yes. We're good? We are. Is it cutting out again? All right, cool. But, yeah, basically, like, to kind of just sum it up, I just use music as a outlet um, because there was a couple times that I, you know, I tried to kill myself or the you know the self-harm type stuff um and so like that wasn't working for me at all and it, then it became more like i was like no this is like that's all just temporary fixes like that you're putting a band-aid on 
uh, a chainsaw wound, like, you need to do something about it. So music just felt like, like the only thing where I could escape to at the time. And so I would just do that. And I would just feed anything I was feeling at the time, what he did, what he would ask me to do, the things he would ask me to do to, for his approval, like all kinds of shit. And so like, I think that was the first real outlet where I had like a well and I just kept pulling the buckets of water, all those of just like stuff that was just festering for years and I didn't know it. And like going through that, not only writing music, but like there's a couple specific bands that I would like when I when the Walkman was still a thing, and I I probably wore out two or three CD players listening to uh, the first Audio Slave album, um, uh, Meteora by Linkin Park, and a, and a few classic rock things. I think like Back in Black. ACDC, because like I always liked how Angus Young played the guitar and how crazy he just run all over the stage, and so it was starting to like this culmination of like, all right, you're dumping stuff into this. Now what? All right, cool. Now like at the time I started playing with other other people um, in the basement, and so I was doing that, and so it was just like all of these things were not only helping me um, kind of get through the day. But also, like when you know, when you're listening to music, it's it's much, much different than playing, and you kind of escape almost in the same way, but in a level where it was like, you're not alone. Like, there's so many musicians that I like don't personally know, but like, I know them at a level. Rather, they knew me at a level nobody else could at that time. And I think that's what like resonated with me. And I think the reason why I've stuck with music is one, it's just it, to me right now, like I feel like it's it's like breathing, like I have to do it. Like yeah. at this point, I've done it for so long, where it's like kind of like going back to the addiction thing. I watched him be addicted to alcohol, and he became hey, before you. Fucking, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Bad time to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're that. good. What were you going to say? I, I saying? just wanted to say I'm sorry you went through all of that. I wanted to oh. kind of acknowledge that. Um, Thank you. It always hurts my heart because I think about all the kids out there right now that don't have a voice that are going through yeah. something like that. And, it, you know, there's lots in the spectrum that they could be going through. Right. Who's there to help them. And exactly. it, it makes me sad thinking about, you know, young Will being sad there um but you know we we were at that uh black balloon event the other night and you told the story or some of the story i think of what you're about to say now so i'm so sorry i interrupted you it was oh you're good bro you're good bro but it was just like i think the culmination of everything not only reminded me that i could keep going but now that i like knew that i could do this thing I think, I guess, I was going to try to, like, give back to the universe in a way for all those other people yeah. that don't have a voice, you know? And, um... Well, so he was he was drinking this whole time that... Oh, yeah, yeah, like... Was I'm, yeah, like, it, it, 
my mom and I, well, and kind of to touch on my mom, like, we, we have a way better relationship now than we ever have. But, like, early on, it was like, it, it became like a, almost an everyman from themselves because when he got like that, she was just as afraid as I was. And she would almost disassociate in a way where she would just, just check out. And so, you know, in a house full of four people, I felt completely alone. Were so, you the oldest? Yeah. So it was just me and my sister. Um, we're oh, okay. eight years apart. So you had to, you were the one responsible to deal with all this probably. Yeah. Yeah. Not birth. only like on a physical level, but like on a mental level too. Like he always like roped me in on things like that, you know, I would have no opinion on, on, on what it is because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't understand the concepts of the things he was trying to explain to me. And then like in his thought process, because I couldn't come up with the, an answer or the correct answer, whatever his answer was, was correct. Like it was nonsense, but you know, like, and, and so like that kind of just all of these things kept going on. And like, I keep going back to the analogy, like a cement mixer. And then when he killed himself, it was like, you know, he, they, they poured the cement out and then now it's fucking, you know, it's cement. It's, it's there now. It's solid. It's solidified. So there's a lot of things I just won't get. And I'll never get. And so I think to circle back to the music thing, it just kind of goes back into that room. And I even sometimes feel like I'm in it, um, depending on like situations or people I'll meet or energies I'll pick up. They'll, they'll put me in that same fucking room where I'm that scared little fucking boy, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry. Was so. Was your father's father also? Did he struggle with alcohol? Oh yeah, yeah. Like so, this was a weird thing. Like I was, I was uh, the, the eldest of all of the grands, or rather, I was the first grandkid they had. So they'd always like, you know, pull me aside. And you're like, oh, you're not supposed to know this, but you know, you're my favorite. Da, da, da. And whether it was true or not, but like they, they, I feel like they looked at me like a second chance because they treated me like incredible. Like I never saw an ounce of anger or an ounce of abuse or anything physical ever. Um, I mean, I think in the end, there was a few times where he got pretty sloppy, unfortunately. And, you know, he got sloppy enough for me to see it. Um, but it was never, it was never a physical thing. It was almost like he would get so drunk. It would almost be like he was embarrassing himself more than anything. But, um, I won't go super, super into it, but yeah. Um, when he was a kid, he definitely got, they, he got a lot of it. Um, if not worse physically, like, uh, but a lot of, yeah, like my my uncle and my aunt uh, definitely saw a, a lot of it too. But um, it, it seems with alcohol, it gets passed down. I mean, I yeah. see it all the time. That I mean, like what I can't remember the, the the fact or whatever it was, but it was like after a certain period of time, it's actually like in your genetics or whatever. 
Mm. Like if it's if it goes on long enough type thing. Yeah. So yeah, not whether just it's, uh, nurtured, but nature too, huh? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's it's always a it's a I don't ever think it's one or the other. I definitely think it's a culmination of the both in, yeah. in one form, you know. But whether it's true or not, there's this uh, one psychic that I saw, and off the cuff, she was like talking very polite, and then switched and said, "This shit wouldn't be happening if I was alive." And I was like, that was weird. And she's like, no, sorry, that was your grandfather saying that. She, he said that he's proud of you, that you uh, you aren't an alcoholic. And, like, I didn't say anything about anything. So, like, that was super fucking weird, you know. Yeah. <laughs> whether it's whether it's true or not or just a really fucking good guess. That, like, that, when she said that, like, I got goosebumps. But, like, I, I still drink, but, like, I never drink to excess. Like, I'm a fucking pothead. That's what I am. I mean, you just saw me smoke a joint before we even got on. Um, marijuana is way better than alcohol. I'll have that argument all day of the week. I'll have that argument. Alcohol is the worst I see. It's worse. I mean, and it's so easily available everywhere. Yeah. To me, that's the big gateway drug, too. Because as soon as you lost your inhibitions with alcohol, sure, I'll then do you're that like, line. sure, I'll why not? Sure, why not? Yeah. Sure, why not? Exactly, exactly. It can get it can get out of hand quickly. I mean, I saw it. I watched my dad turn into a fucking monster. So, do you I feel think, like you're yeah. you broke some cycle? I yeah, I don't I don't necessarily acknowledge it as much as I do, but. Yeah, absolutely, I do. I, um, if, if, you know, anybody that might be watching right now, anybody that's a close friend of mine knows I'm usually cool as a fucking cucumber. Um, I never try to get angry. Like, usually if I do get angry, all it'll go inward. And then, it'll, I mean, which is not healthy either, but I never become explosive on somebody else. Because they're, you know, I don't know them. They're going through with their own shit. Why should I dump all my shit on their shit? That's a big pile of shit, you know? Yeah. Probably and when so, you bring it in, though, you must turn it into words that come back out in a song. So you're kind of filtering yeah. it. That, yeah. That seems cool. Yeah. I uh, Anytime I use like, <laughs> there's probably been a handful of songs that I've written where they've been written in, like, 20 minutes. And I usually call it a creative dump. Uh, I'm sure like other musicians have referred to it the same way, but, and it's usually before, and it's usually before I will be creatively constipated for a while, something will happen. And then I take a creative dump and then I'm like, ah, great. I feel better. So like, <laughs> what's, uh, tell us one of your favorite lines you've ever written or, or something, you know, I don't know if favorite's the right word, powerful. Um, there's this one song I have. Uh, it's not released on anything just because I haven't been in the studio enough to record all of my stuff. I've only been able to record a few songs that I've written. Uh, but one song, it's, uh, it's called The Whiskey. And it's basically just about kind of just going through it. But there's a line in the song. I think it's like maybe the, the third or fourth verse where it was like, um, lie, repeat. Give me something to eat. And then y'all, all you fed me was crow. I'm looking for 
for an answer, and I'm still not finding it here. Um, and so it was basically just about, like, after a while when I recognized that my situation wasn't necessarily normal, um, I just became uh, obsessed with flying away from where I was, whatever that meant. And, like, I think there's this old song, I, I can probably dig it up somewhere, but it's literally called Fly. And there, and uh, we did it for, um, you could actually, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, Babyface Will playing, uh, it was at the Holt Battle of the Bands, 2009. Um, it was, the song was called Fly, and, like, I think, I'm trying to remember the, some of the words, but it was, I just became obsessed with getting out of there any, by any means, and I always just loved the idea of, of flying, like, and, like, I even have a, a couple birds tattooed on me, um, because, like, you know, I just felt like that was the quickest way to get the fuck out of where you're at when shit ain't right, you know, and, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's go into your music career. I mean, is you're making a career, right? I mean, you want to. I mean, this. I still have a couple day jobs, but yes, yeah. the that is the end goal. Um, I definitely think over the, the past couple years, I've played a few things that I didn't necessarily think I would do. I mean, going forward, I think. Like, I even, I even opened for a couple bands that I listened to in high school, which I thought was kind of cool, even though, you know, some people don't necessarily like them. Um, but, like, there was this one show. We, we played a sold-out show in Grand Rapids at 20 Monroe. Like, that was a super big thing for me, at least, because, like, the most people I've probably ever played in front of was maybe 800 to 1,000 people at the time. And I think 20 Monroe capacity was 22, 2,500, something like that. And so it was the first time I actually saw like a sea of people and like, like I had a mini fucking panic attack, (laughs) but like, as soon as I put my guitar on and the music started, it went away instantly. But we, we played with, uh, Wilson and pop evil and another show we opened up for, um, Buck Cherry, uh, so like, and then like we we uh, we played a show uh, where Bad Flower did the event, and then we did uh, the same venue with this one comp- uh, this one uh, band called Bones. They're super cool. Uh, you should look them up. Kind of an industrial sound. Okay. Um, but no, it's called Bones UK. But we played in Las Vegas, and it was a super cool show. Um, Chad from uh, Mudvayne and Hell Yeah was just hanging out. Like we were like, holy shit! <laughs> like, um, so like you know, I, I had, it was very very surreal. Like, but I mean, I'm by no means I think have I made it yet. Um, I still think I have a lot of work to do still. But um, I've been taking more of the gigs that I think make sense to me, the ones that like. Are worth my time and it sound that sounds shitty to me but like i feel like as a musician when you're going from this is my hobby to this is what i want to do with my life you have to kind of be more choosy about you know who offers you what because like an opportunity just because it's an opportunity doesn't mean it's an opportunity you know what i mean yep 
Well, you kind of you'll take anything in the beginning, right? Because you're just happy yeah. that somebody asks. But exactly, and you you've got to kind of cultivate it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what what happened. Like I I played in a local band for probably four or five years collectively. Um, but after that, you know, those, you know, could you come out for a few hours for, you know, fifty bucks, depending on like you know where, it, you know, if it's like a a, a fundraiser type thing or if it's for a friend you know but if it's more of like someone's actively looking for someone to book music it's almost a little disrespectful especially because like some of the people i don't know and i don't know all of them i'm just saying i guess as a general statement but like i feel like people that are trying to do what you know what we're trying to do here if you're in the area, hit me up. Always looking to collaborate, but also have a little bit more respect for yourself. Know your worth. Yeah. I That's cannot it. stress that enough because there are a lot of people, whether they are actively trying to take advantage of you or if they just don't know what they don't know, know your worth. That's been a common theme during COVID, especially. And not just with musicians now, but other types of artists. And then yeah, also anything. any a dishwasher, you know, it wasn't unskilled labor. It was, you think it's unskilled, you go to wash the dishes all day then. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. I, did, I did my time washing some of those dishes. <laughs> so as we kind of start to wrap up here, I mean, this flew by. I, I think your story is really interesting and I appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank what, you. What? If I'm a if I'm a young musician listening to this right now, what's something that I should do immediately if I want to take this into a career? Um, know your worth. Um, if you believe that what you are doing is good, show it off. Play in the streets. Um, record yourself. Everyone has a phone. You're watching. If you're watching, I already got you. So you have a phone. So you <laughs> got you. So they are all equipped with a voice recorder in some form or fashion. Use it. Even if you're dinking around for like five, ten minutes, you might accidentally play something that you're like, holy shit, what did I just do? And then you kind of go redo that. And you're like, damn it, what was I doing? Guess what? If you're recording on your, you know, on, on shit like that, I swear I have like five or six hundred little clips of me doing like, or you know, like in the car trying to be like, oh, I came up with this melody, but what was I even fucking doing? So like having that voice recorder is such a fucking handy tool. Um, but yes, if 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 what you are doing, and if you believe it is good. And if you get in front of people, that's the biggest thing. You have to get in front of people. People have to see it nowadays. People's attention spans are, especially with like anything on a phone now. You people have to see it and hear it in real time, in real life, not on a screen. You know, obviously, you still have to have some sort, some sort of online presence and whatnot. But people have to wake up. You have to wake them up with this, with it, with, with this kind of shit. People need art. People need creativity. People need to think. People need to wake up in a way, especially now 
more than ever. Um, I could stand on that soapbox for a long time, but this that's is beside uh, the point. This is such great advice. I, mean, I, I love the advice about recording. I try to tell people that all the time. So I'm glad I'm not just making that up. Thanks for. Oh no, at like for I, I wish. Advice. Oh, absolutely. I was. I wish I could be in this in a in a legitimate studio more often. Just but financially, sometimes good good studio time costs money. That's another piece of advice I'm going to lay on you. Like getting getting your boy to record your stuff for 20 bucks is helpful, especially if you don't have anything. A rough draft is good rough draft, especially if you go into a legitimate studio and then you're like, hey, I have this thing. Let's hear it. That's way better than trying to explain it with your mouth or trying to replay it on an acoustic guitar. So if your boy is going to do it for 20 bucks, probably let him do it for 20 bucks. Yeah. But don't make that the final recording. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if you ever want to come play here, we'll we'll it'll be on the house for me if you want to come record and oh, mess huh. around. We upgraded the studio a lot since we first met you. Um, Sweet. So we'd love to have you come and play around and drop some of your vibe around here. That that is absolutely be the price. Just I love dropping good energy. vibrations down. Yeah. Music's all vibrations anyway. All right. Well, we better wrap up. Uh, thank you so very much for coming on the show. I, I think we should do another show because we had a lot more that we wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, so I'm in a month or so. so. I'm about it. All right. I'll find some links and put it under the show so you guys can listen to some of Will's music. Uh, I'm assuming you're on. Are you on platforms like Spotify and all that? Yeah, um, yeah. So the, the couple songs that I do have, yeah, they're on Apple Music, okay. YouTube, Spotify. All right, we'll find them and share them and try to get some listening uh, from my crowd, at least. I know you're you're well-loved in this community, and we love you a lot. And thank you so much for coming and being on the show today, Will. Thank you so much, Jerry. All right, we'll see you later. You can stick with me for two seconds.